Ah, let's play a game. is recording and I am now going to call my friend Blaine J. Believe it is working now. Let me see here. Once it phone. Hey buddy. Hey man, how you doing? Sorry I calling you a little ah. earlier than I expected, but Oh that's fine, yeah. I'm just sitting around. I was watching uh videos of various lunar games to try and get a better idea of the variants and stuff between them, you know. Oh, wow, you're doing lots of research. I love it. Well, I'm trying to because, you know, they all kind of blend together in my head, man, so. Oh, I see. Yeah, so. I see. Uh, what's it been up to, man? Well, uh, school year has ended. So, I mean, took a week off, went to Disneyland, went to a Dodger game, and uh, now I'm starting summer school, unfortunately, but uh, my last, this is going to be my last year of summer school, I've decided, because I want to do a lot of stuff with the kiddos when I can. Right on. How was Disneyland, man? It was incredible. Uh, it was expensive, but it was incredible. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it was yeah the guy, boys loved it. Um, they had, you know they had it was an abstract thing to them, so they had no idea what to expect. We kept talking about it and talking about it and like you know when they when they'd act up, we'd threaten not to go, and they're like, okay, whatever, we don't care. But then after them seeing it and experience it and realizing what it was, oh, the magic was there. For sure, the yeah. Future threatens. <laughs> now, <laughs> now we have something to threaten. Right. Yeah, I'm wanting to take Caroline, but like you say, it's so expensive. And finding a week, you know, I haven't even found an extra couple hundred bucks to buy a new Zoom in the last six, eight months. You know, how am I going to come up with three, four grand? You know, and like, I don't know if you remember, you know, the Fast Passes at Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a free system where you can jump the line. Uh, That costs twenty dollars per person per day now. So they're really like, it's going to be just a place for just the rich, you know, eventually, which is uh, just horrible criminal. I don't know. But yeah, I always thought that the fast pass was kind of bullshit to begin with because it's 
you're, you're jumping the line, but you're jumping it to get in like the fast pass line. It seems like everyone pays for that now. So what are you really even doing? You know? Yeah. Now I just feel kind of bad. Like I'm like everyone that sees me going to like the, f- the free entry or the fast entry or like, Oh, there's rich dude. So but I was like, it's the only way to do it though. It's like, yo, I can wait 90 minutes in this line or like, <clears throat> you know, five or 10, like. Yeah, exactly. A a no-brainer, unfortunately. And you have to have it, and whatever. Whatever. Yeah, it's absolutely the the same way at artist signings and stuff now, too. Last time I went to a DP where you could get the fast pass, and you can get up front and get your stuff signed, or you could wait in the quotations free line and be there for you know six eight hours sometimes depending on the artist so true yeah they same thing at uh comic cons yeah like mm-hmm. i don't know i guess that's just the way the world's working and commerce and capitalism yeah, i guess that's just i what's, guess what's eventually you'll we'll have to pay the fast pass and then there'll be the fast fast pass or something oh I, yeah i guarantee like it's called the Genie Pass, and I guarantee they'll have, like, the Elite Genie Pass, where you get to go. Because right. right now, it's like, for a ride at Disneyland, you only get to use it once that day. So if I wanted to do Thunder Mountain or whatever, I could use the Genie Pass, but I couldn't use it at all the rest of the day. And I'd make you a bet, a year from now, mark my words, they'll have one where you could do it multiple times for multiple rides in a single yeah. day. That'll be their way to, I don't know. Get us into it. But. Somehow renew it. Yeah, pay another twenty dollars to get well, another. Already to to use the fast pass for the newest like Star Wars attraction, it was an additional twenty dollars, which we did one day because huh. like it was like that was that had like a hundred and five minute line, so it's just like my time's you know worth more than I guess twenty bucks, but so we did it and it was worth it. It was it was really awesome, uh, but yeah, yeah cool. Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, I, I haven't been since I was a kid. Most of the rides that are still there from when I was a kid have been redone in some way or another. They incorporate, you know, uh, Elsa into it or whatever oh, yeah. else to Nemo. make it relevant. Nemo is not in the submarine. But anyway, enough about Disneyland. I haven't played a lot of StarCraft lately. Uh, in the last, like, three weeks of school, like, all the seniors just disappear. So I have three classes full of seniors and, like, literally no one there. Uh, so I just kind of got brought my computer and connected the Wi-Fi, and I couldn't get on a battle net, but I could play single player. So I've been just been playing a shit ton of StarCraft at school. So right. that's been fun. That's been fun. I did play Lunar for about three solid weeks. Got pretty far. Oh God, where did I get? I think I got like uh, that big ass egg. Where you enter... One moment, James. Oh, sorry. No, my wife just got home. What, baby? For why? Oh, go ahead. No, you're fine, baby. Yep. Now I have to give her a credit. Yeah, she just got back from a long trip. She... Oh, yeah, I was kind of following uh, that on Facebook. Yeah, it seems like every day she uh, gets called out to go to oklahoma city or pratt uh kansas or you know it's just a different store all the time where she's having to help out but they're um sending her to florida uh in a few weeks i think in the middle of august there to do some additional training to where she's you know basically training to be like a regional manager or whatever nice quit your job right yeah 
Yeah, uh, might might end up moving because of it. I don't really know all the details. We're so. booths. We're abouts. I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. They've offered her positions in several areas. She's turned down. That she's like, yeah, we're not moving there. You know, we don't want to go to like Little Rock, and okay. we don't want to go to the middle of Kansas or anything. Texas, okay. I'm not real interested in. Okay. So. I'm making it a point to come see you next summer. So oh, wherever cool. you are, you let me know, and I will come see you. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to you know like take a week off myself or whatever. We'll, we'll yeah. coordinate that. That'd be yeah. great. Not that there's like there's not a lot to do in Arkansas. I might be better off going to California. Well, I've never but... been to Arkansas. I know we could do like Oklahoma. It's cl- it's close by where you are. But uh... oh yeah, yeah. I mean, OKC is four hours away, and it is it's a metropolis, you know, yeah. and there. are there are game stores and things we can hit up around here. And, you know, I do have a fairly substantial amount of video games and a game room. So it's not, there's we'll we'll <laughs> no ending of entertainment. Of course, I said, film it all, or not film at all, but record it all. So we'll have all kinds of stuff in the can. Oh, yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah, I said the same things when Bjorn visited years ago now. It's been, what, five years ago? Yeah. We, we didn't spend a whole lot of the time, a lot of time, like, playing video games at the time. I think, you know, we, we drank and we talked about life a lot. <laughs> just, you know, I, I think it. he just needed a vacation from his home life. And it was uh, fun having him around. He was absolutely one of the best house guests I've ever had in my life. Yeah, he's a cool guy. I, uh, I follow yeah, him on Facebook also, and I'm, I'm always interested in what he's up to. Yeah, he's doing real well on uh, Twitch now. He's uh, got a small cult following there, and he's always aiming different things. I try and catch it when I can, but because, you know, he's in Sweden, it's kind of odd times sometimes for me. Um, Even though I am a night owl, uh, I'll be working or whatever and see he's going live. Sometimes I'll catch him when I'm at the gym, which lately I haven't been going. It's just, I don't know, the summer drains my... My energy, I haven't been in uh, six days now, which might as well be a month, it feels like. I plan on going tonight, but I don't know. My shoulders have been bothering me real bad. My back, the last couple times I've gone, has started, like, I thought maybe I was over back problems because uh, I've dealt with back issues ever since I heard it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but they seem like they're coming back. Uh, yeah, sure. so. Yeah, yeah. so I'm trying to, like, lay off a little bit be lazy but at the same time you know i don't want to lose you know muscle mass and stuff but it, it comes back pretty quick too it so. does and you're you're still young you got plenty of time <laughs> i don't know man i'll be 43 soon that's, that's nothing ridiculous. it's nothing you you start talking yeah. to your old when you when you hit 60 and you know it's okay do some well, i plan on trying to lift until then and once i hit you know once i'm nearing 60 if i'm still going to the gym you know, I see those guys, and there's a few that are in good shape and stuff that are, you know, mm-hmm. still going. But they have to go like twice a day yeah. just to maintain. You know, Absolutely. and I'm not prepared to make lifting my life. He's working because it's harder and harder as you get older. You have to do like at 40, you got to do twice the amount that you were doing at 20. If I work out harder now, mom. Last six days withstanding than I did when I was in my twenties, and I, I looked way better back then. So mm-hmm. you know, is what it is, though. Is but yeah, is. other than that, since last we've talked, I haven't been doing much. Some lunar, some uh, what else did I play? I hooked up the SNES, uh, bought a copy of Arcana. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, remembered why I hated that game. Uh, um, have you watched uh, Pro Jared's new sh- new show about uh, now in the nineties? No, no, I haven't seen it. It's really good. It's like eh, seven to ten minutes every Friday release, and he like goes back thirty years on the day, or kind of give or take, and he reviews or sees what games came out that week, and he he talked about Arcana the other day. Or a couple wow, weeks ago. it's thirty years old. Huh? It's thirty years old. It's a, his, his that show's really good. I really like what he's doing there. Uh, Makes me feel super old. Yeah, well, I I got him right. I I love it. I love the nostalgia. The nineties were amazing. It's the further oh, yeah. you get away from was... a man, the more they're you know when you're living in them, you don't really care much. But yeah, like it that. really does seem like the nineties were the was the last decade that had an identity yeah. because you move on into the 2000s, 2010s, and now in the twenties and it just all feels the same, you know, yeah. music is just like this pop generated crap for the most part. And, yeah. you know, our clothing choices haven't really changed in yeah. 25 years. It's like an outfit now would fit in in 2000, you know, it's, it hasn't changed. Whereas the nineties was very grunge era, flannels, jinkos and the eighties, you, you know, and every dec- decade on back had an identity. It seems like whatever happened in the two thousands, like we just stopped doing that. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'm anxious to see if like ten years from now, because usually it just takes time for those ideals to develop. But I think I don't think they will. I think you're right. I think uh, I th- I don't think I think the '90s are the last uh, era or decade of I- identity. You're right, and I just yeah, it's we'll weird, see, man. We'll see if it happens. I don't know. Maybe it's because like the iPhone, like nothing's really changed. Like we had iPhones in the. 2000s late 2000s we still have them now uh, through the 2010s and we still have them now they've gotten better and different but it's like been the same thing it's not had gone through a what it has but it hasn't gone through a big revolution very very strange yeah okay i would have thought by now like video game consoles would have phased out that there'd have been some new like music uh whatever revolution i guess you know like with the 60s and the 90s the 70s i mean none of that has happened there hasn't been no anything nothing, nothing um, great. music now is just i listen to some of it i'm like i have to I mean, do the high schoolers I, and it's like i dig some of it man i like post malone quite a bit um Most of it yeah i like i like adele i guess if you count her as contemporary but yeah, for I, the most part you hear uh you know these things that get played on the radio anyway and it's just absolute trash yeah. it feels like it's generated by a robot uh yeah. you know through some kind of algorithm there's no heart or soul in 90 percent of it and you know that's what's so refreshing with someone like post malone is he sounds different you know had i listened to him when i was 20 i probably wouldn't have been into him but because he's so different from the norm now he's you know credited as being a musical genius or whatever yeah and uh, you know he's very very good. I don't want to take anything away from the guy, but uh, but yeah, it's just it's it's really weird. It's 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 a uh, it's a strange time we live in. It's a strange time. It is a strange yeah, time. But, uh, hey, did you hear about the um uh the Sega Mini Part Two? And it might have Shining Force. Uh, three on it, although it's supposed to only be released in Japan. But that was yeah, I saw that and Popful Mail as well, which uh, is <laughs> went from being a fifty dollar game three years ago or a seventy or whatever in that range mm-hmm. 
to being like a $500 game now, which I had, I had planned on having that game be on the show at some point, um, because it's a really great, like action RPG, you know, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately, uh, I think we've been priced out. I have a copy, but you would have to buy a Sega CD and a pop full mail unless you were to emulate it. Um, because Popful Mail. Popful Mail. Yeah, it's another working designs um, title that they brought over, and it's it's a lot of the same you know stuff as in Lunar, where it's like a lot of quirky uh, humor. Yeah. It's animated really well. It plays a bit like uh, side-scrolling Zelda would be the best way to describe I it. But you do three characters as you progress through the game, each having their own unique abilities. You know, Popful is this bounty hunter, and then. Uh, you gain, uh, God, I can't remember the wizard's name. There's a wizard that he has, you know, additional abilities that complement Popful, and then later on you unlock a, I think his name is Gaw, G-A-U. He's like this little monster character that can fly and uh, has, you know, again, additional abilities. It's uh, reminiscent of like uh, Bucky O'Hare or something like that, mm-hmm. where um, each character brings something to the table. And uh, you use them throughout, but it is balls hard. I mean, just brutally difficult. Uh, as a kid, I could get through like Gauze, you know, the uh, uh, like him joining, um, but I couldn't get much past that. And as an adult, I went to play it, and I couldn't beat the first boss. I spent a good <laughs> thirty minutes fighting the first boss over and over and i was just like i don't know how i ever did this as a child this is just ridiculous it's one of those games that they upped the difficulty on exponentially because they were worried about uh people renting it and beating it in a weekend and then not buying the title so yeah silly ass we're returning it Mm -hmm. which well let's hope this thing materializes and makes its way to north america because I think there's a large library of games that are virtually untapped and inaccessible to to most people. Like a lot of people, like our friend uh, Alex Skicks on Discord, get in the Discord. Um, You know, he's the hugest Shining Force fan you'll ever meet. You know, uh, he famously for us anyway joined our review without having to replay it at all. He just knew everything from memory. And, uh, you know, he's never gotten to play three. And then there are guys like you and I who have, you know, managed to obtain copies of three and played it. But unfortunately, here in the States, we only ever got the first installment of that. It'd be like if you were playing Final Fantasy VII and it ended at the end of Midgar. Da 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 da. But um, <laughs> it, it just doesn't make sense, right? It's like you're only getting one portion of the story. Now, it is a standalone game. Uh, in of itself, because in Shining Force 3, you get uh, three perspectives, three different main uh, characters, and depending on which version you're playing, the antagonist can be the protagonist, and so on. So it uh, gives you unique perspectives on everyone. And uh, that's a really cool, innovative idea. And the version that we got here, you know, you and I reviewed it some years ago now, is fantastic. It's just an amazing game. And everyone should get to play it. It is, uh, to me, it is the best Shining Force game. I like it better than 2, which is kind of sacrilege, because I spent a lot of time and really love 2. But 3 is just absolutely fantastic. It, it incorporates a lot of new ideas. Um, it is 3D, which is the only off-putting point, you know, that, against it. 
Yeah, um, not terrible though. But it looks, yeah, it, it looks good. And the LR for, button for you can like go 360 around, I believe. So you get a real good glimpse of like the battlefield and what you're doing and where you need to move. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, that yeah, I I, I had never played the ex the uh, not the expansions, the uh, what you call them, the second, yeah, second third, the second and third scenarios. Uh, yeah, because it requires so much hoops to jump through. Yeah. You either have to get an emulator that uh, they just don't work right for everything, you know, on the yeah. Saturn. It's just a tough system to emulate. And it, it hasn't been until recently that they so-called so perfected it, although I still hear people in forums complaining about emulation on certain titles. And... Um, if, if you don't go that route, if you want to buy these burned copies, you have to mod your Saturn to be able to play them. Yeah. So it's, it's not going to happen. Too many hoops, you know, and I want to play it the same way I want to play like police knots and so on and so forth. But I, I don't want the additional hoops. Some people don't seem to mind that, and you know, more power to them. For me, I just want to be able to buy a system and plug it in my damn TV and turn it on and play the damn thing. You know, I don't, all this additional crap just, it takes me out of it. It's like, I don't want to spend two hours before I start playing a game. You know, it's the same reason I hate downloading games. I'd rather have the physical media, although these days you have to download the physical media anyway, so. Absolutely. Yeah, old man shakes fist at cloud. Um... Good. But yeah, it's, you know, it, it would be incredible. Uh, the, the silver lining on that is that when that system comes out, even if it only comes out in Japan, someone will hack it and be able to put ROMs onto them to where we can play the Americanized versions of these games. Because if it's compatible with the Sega Saturn, the Sega CD games and stuff, then they will be able to incorporate some form of code or something to where they can uh, port, you know, ROMs onto it. And then, then you know, I'll be real interested in getting one because I can uh, potentially buy one that either already has them on it or if it's a relatively easy process, you know, go that route and then be able to play all these games that uh, I've missed out on. Or in your case, you'll just ask one of your students to do it, and mm -hmm. uh, they'll figure it out for you. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, looking forward to it. I'm I'm glad that Sega has finally realized they had like this huge untapped market when it comes to the Sega CD, Sega Saturn, 32X, and uh, Dreamcast. Dreamcast. Because they have all these games that, uh, except for you know a select few, uh, have never been re-released anywhere, and. It's a real shame. You know, they've re-released uh, Shining Force 1 and 2 so many times, it's absolutely absurd. And they've never re-released 3, which is a crime, because, like I said, it's the best one. Um, and there are games like, you know, Dragon Force or um, Panzer Dragon Saga, etc., etc., which would be incredible if they can make those accessible in some other way, um, rather than having to spend, at this point, you know, $1,000 or whatever it is for a Panzer Dragon Saga. And I'm not sure what you paid for Dragon Force, but I think it's like a $300 game. Um, yeah. Ridiculous. For sure. It's ridiculous. But, but yeah, we're not here to talk about any of that stuff, even though we just spent a long time talking about all of that stuff. We're actually here uh, to review Lunar and the podcast you're listening to. I guess I should have, uh, I guess we are recording, right? 
We are. We have been for like 22 minutes. So. Okay, good, good. I, I, I always assume you're recording, but I guess I shouldn't do that. You're listening to Is It Worth It, the podcast where we just talk about shit, whatever we want, because at this point, it's like we've, we're whittled down to like some loyal listeners, and they know how we are, and if uh, they want to quit listening, they fucking can no, <laughs> and they're all invited on the show. We should just start uh, having everybody, having all of our listeners on, and put everyone in the show. And had just about everyone on. The only ones I can't think of that haven't done a show with us that are like regular contributor contributors would be like um, this new guy that's been talking to me, Kyle Parker. Shout out to him, cool guy. Yeah, if he wants to join the show, yeah, just send me a message, Kyle. We'll set something up. You know, let me know what it is you might want to review or whatever, and yeah, we'll have you on, no problem. Uh, that goes for anyone else listening. And then Spokes, we we've never had uh, Jeff Edmonds on, which is a real crime because he's been a fan since the beginning, and he actually had. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's still running. I was subbed for a while, but he had a podcast uh, that was going through all the episodes of the show Reboot. Um, which I was aware of, but was never a huge fan of myself. So I listened to a few episodes, Jeff, if you're listening. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed hearing my friend talk about something that he liked passionately. But unfortunately for me, it was just something that I didn't care about because I never I had any kind of nostalgia for reboot. It was just that thing that was on in the afternoons um, when I was at that point, like close to 20. So, uh, yeah, but mm-hmm. uh yeah, if you're interested in reboot, maybe check that out or contact him. And uh, you know, I, I didn't watch it that often either. I watched. I was into Beast Wars, which I think was kind of similar in <laughs> style. But uh, you kids, yeah, you were so much. Uh, you know, just three, four years younger than me is isn't a huge difference now. But when you go back in time to when I was twenty and you were like sixteen or whatever, it's like you were still probably watching those type of shows, and I was not. It's just like. Me and like my underclassmen, you know, that when I was a senior and they were freshmen, they were watching Power Rangers and I could give a shit about Power Rangers. They were playing Pokemon and I don't give a fuck about Pokemon. That came out when I was 18. By then I was like, I'm too old for fucking Pokemon. Um, so I never got into it. I don't have that fever that all these uh, kids a couple years younger than me do. And I say kids, they're, you know, nearly 40 now, but um they're just feverish for this shit. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm aware of it, you know, but me, it was Ninja Turtles and Mm -hmm. He-Man and um, things of this nature, you know, Thundercats big on Thundercats when I was a kid. Uh, But yeah, uh, is it worth it? And uh, we picked uh, after much debate because we never seem to uh, have anything in mind these days. Used to in the old days, we would spend a lot of time like thinking, pre you know like what are we going to do for the next show and like we would really like have it figured out but here the last few years it's literally on the spot uh we pick now. yeah you might you, I, I want to, you to pick one i'm going to uh, i'm thinking now right about, yeah. about it hopefully i have some idea by the end of the show right but uh we picked lunar which man oh man uh i've reviewed lunar 2 on this show like early early on i think it's like episode six or seven mm-hmm. and that was back when i recorded things in installments and that is a hard episode to listen to because that it, again that is back when we used to go through shows in the early early days we would just like go through the entirety of the plot and try and hit every plot point around the time we hit shining force 2 um we're just like yeah we're not going to do that anymore because that is boring as shit mm-hmm. uh 
you know, if you want the plot and everything, you know, we'll hit the high points, but uh, play the game, you know, and uh, Lunar is a great game and it is very plot driven. And I have a lot of history with this game. I, I don't know your history, but for me, um, you know, this came out in 92 and I didn't get a hold of it until I think 94 when a friend of mine uh, that we called Wordsworth or Words for short because he looked very dorky. Um, and I rented a Sega CD because he was a Genesis kid mm-hmm. and we rented Lunar with it and absolutely fell in love with it. But uh, we were completely unaware of how to format the system so we were unable to save oh and we just yeah we just uh played as far as we could get and then had to turn it off oh. and then yeah and then the next time we rented it it was the same thing uh just yeah. didn't know what format meant or how to do it on the Sega cd um mm-hmm. and to be fair it is it's not the easiest thing you know especially mm-hmm. back then when like you just have no computer knowledge as a teen in the early 90s no. um and yeah we just ended up keeping the system on and playing through the entirety of the game Jeepers. uh yeah and just what what a memory you know the sega cd version holds up to this day uh, I have said um, it is my favorite version, and I stand by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are actually four versions of Lunar that got released in the United States, which is kind of incredible when you think about it, because you know we're used to things getting a lot of releases, mm-hmm. you know, but they're typically or re-releases. They're typically like these really big games, and Lunar was never like it was big for the Sega CD, but it was never like this uh culturally impactful like final fantasy 7 or something of that nature mm-hmm. you know an uncharted or something that um everybody has played right it, mm-hmm. it was big in a certain niche uh group of people uh but even in that niche within that niche group unless they had access to a sega cd they had never played it but then it did get uh, re-released and uh this version is incredible on the ps1 Got all new sprite work, got a complete overhaul. It is effectively a different game in most regards, um, but just a huge graphical upgrade. They changed a few things. The the kids in the game, the quotation kids, because in the in the first version of Lunar, they're literally children. They're like the the character actors and everything that they picked to voice Alex and Luna and so forth were all kids. And by the time they re-released it, they had grown to, you know, more or less adults. And instead of recasting everyone, they cast the same people and just rewrote the story around the fact that they were now teenagers, which is kind of incredible. Mm-hmm. And they extended the length of Luna staying with you in the first version. Uh, she stays with you only a very short period of time at the beginning of the game, like when you around the time you leave Berg. Uh, Luna leaves your group. Um, in the PlayStation version, she stays with you for a long time. I think even after Ramus leaves, she's still with you. Um, but there are issues with the PlayStation version that uh, the Sega CD one lacks. Like it, it certainly looks better. It's some of the best sprite work you'll see in any video game. It, just incredible stuff. Beautiful and uh, beautiful music as well. But we'll get to that. Um, <clears throat> Like in the uh, 
PlayStation version, uh, each character has a very limited amount of spells or abilities, I think six. And they say like this little quip whenever they cast a spell. And some of them say the same quip for multiple spells, like MASH says, check this out. And you will hear that Adam <laughs> Symptom playing the game. And it's reminiscent of uh, Skies of Arcadia, where you, you hear, you know, whatever that burst is, you know, that the Ramba burst or whatever, Lambda burst, I think. And you will just hear that so many times that you have to turn off the the sound because it will drive you insane mm-hmm. and i don't know what choice whose choice it was to do that like it's real cool the first time you hear it um but once you've heard it ten thousand times it gets you know real old like if it was just a grunt or, or something like that you know it's fine like with some of alex's moves he'll just like go ah or something you know that's okay but when it's an actual phrase and it's said the exact same way for whatever reason it just drives me absolutely bonkers man and they could have changed it up had like three or four phrases that uh, got randomly selected each you know that would have at least been something but no it's the same shit so you're going to be casting the same spells and hearing the same shit over and over the sega cd version uh the characters get multiple spells and alex actually has uh actual magic in that game and uh he unlocks that on rose street once you reach meridia and he can cast things like uh simple spells like fire and cure and so on and so forth and uh that is in none of the subsequent versions see after that only spells quotation he gets are actual like attack moves and things like that and uh, then his dragon spells which uh he gets as he's becoming the dragon master and uh yeah that's the the story basically is there's this kid alex that lives in this town uh, appropriately just called berg because it's just like this shitty rural village out in the middle of nowhere, but it just happens to be the hometown of the last Dragon Master, uh, Dine. And Alex was, I want to say he was left on the doorstep of this family along with Luna, or maybe he's the actual kid and Luna was left on the doorstep. I know they're not actually brother and sister, which makes their like love interest in each other okay. Even though it's weird to think that they got raised since birth together in a home as brother and sister, and now they're like in love. Let's just walk past that. Um, but yeah, he's like that. I think it was Luna and Nall were left at the door seven. Nall's like this little flying cat that can talk, and no one seems to be like weirded out by the fact that there's a talking flying cat. Um, <laughs> It's fine, you know, so they raise these kids and then, you know, he's Alex is obsessed with dying and he's constantly going to the gravesite of dying, which is within the town uh, overlooking, you know, these hills and uh, he and Luna practice their music together, Sega CD version. He plays the harp in all the subsequent versions. Uh, he plays the ocarina. And they sing together and whatever, practicing for this festival uh, when they're met with Ramus. And Ramus is like, oh, how would you describe Ramus? Just like fat Urkel, fat white Urkel. Yeah, he's going to be, he's a capitalist. He's going, you know, <laughs> has aspirations of starting a business and. Yeah, yeah. fat young Trump. I don't know. <laughs> 
bigger dude. He's kind of sure. a terrible person. Like when you read his dialogue as an adult, you're kind of like, oh man, Ramus is the worst. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's a terrible character too. Like in the GBA version, he's the only character in the game that doesn't have a limit break. Uh, most enemies that he attacks that aren't basic enemies, he only hits them for zero. Um, he's, he's just a joke. You know, he uses a damn trash can lid in his shield. Uh, just a big fat kid that yeah. is, uh, he wants to go to the dragon cave, not to see the dragon, but to um, find a diamond so he could sell it and like become rich. Start a business. Alex wants to go. Yeah, Alex wants to go to see the dragon and maybe learn more about dying or whatever. Again, in the GBA version, it had to deviate, and Nash goes with you at this point, which in all the other versions, you don't meet Nash till much later. But in the GBA version, I guess they wanted to give you an additional character. Make for it coaching. easier. Yeah, it is. If you want the easiest version of Lunar, it is the GBA version. I was watching a speed run of it, and the guy got to Galleon in like three hours, and it didn't seem like he was particularly trying to go super fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you can really bend that game over your knee and break it. There are things in that game that are just ridiculous. Like uh, there's an item in that one called the Wind Boots, which gives you an additional two attacks, mm-hmm. um, which attacks in this game are super important. Because uh, it's kind of like a grid-based system, although you don't see the grid. Yeah. And your characters can attack things within proximity to them, and they attack the amount of times that they are able. Which you know, Alex and Kyle by the end of the game are attacking three, four times. I think uh, Jessica can attack twice, and then Nash and Mia, being your uh, magic users, only attack the once. Uh, really, the, all the magic users in the game are largely useless most of the time, and it really is the. Uh, Kyle and Alex show for most of the game, but yeah, you uh, yeah you have Nash in that version. But you go to the Dragon Cave and you meet up with Quark, who is like this incredibly old and wise dragon, and he sees within you the potential to become the next Dragon Master. And again, if you take Nash with you, it's because Nash is wanting to become the Dragon Master, and Quark kind of makes fun of him and says, you know, you will never be a Dragon Master. I'm sorry, kid. Uh, but he sees potential in you. Then he gives you his diamond. And uh, in every version, he mentions as you're leaving that, you know, it's actually just one of his turds. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I thought that was like the height of humor. Hilarious. Well, yeah, it's just a mud snake that he hands you. Mm-hmm. And then you use that to go on an adventure where you're wanting to travel to Meridia, which is this big town, uh, to be able to sell it. And, you know, your story goes off from there, and you go on your quest to become a Dragon Master. You have to meet up with the four dragons, and you meet all these characters along the way. Go to the Magic City of Vane, which is like this floating city, so fucking cool, uh, where it's, think Hogwarts, but it floats on an island in the sky, and the only accessible points are through these teleportation devices. Um, and you get to meet all the heroes of yore as well, which mm-hmm. is really fucking cool. Because there's this whole story that you get hints of, and there really needs to be like a, a lunar maid where the you can play that story. And they kind of allude to that in the PSP version, where you get to play like the very last dungeon as the heroes of yore, which is cool, um, except for the voice acting, which is absolutely terrible. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but like if they could create a game where you got to play as Dragon Master Dine and uh, Lamia and Master Mel and Galleon, that would be incredible. But Wasn't you it, do was it, it was it uh, Lufia where you get to play as like the Yes, yeah. That is the game where you get to play as like those yeah, gods or not yeah, gods. Second game you're actually playing the guys that die at the beginning of the first Lufia. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And the second game is the only one worth playing. Yeah. That'd be cool for this to have like a little section. Like it would have been cool to start like that, where you get to see like what it could be. Yeah, and you do on the PSP, but again, it's just the last dungeon, and mm-hmm. you do get like hints of just how powerful those four heroes were because throughout the game, um, depending again on the version, 
like Galleon joined you for a brief period on, I believe, the both the PlayStation and the Sega CD version. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lake joins you, which, spoiler abound, if you haven't played this game, you shut your ears off for a minute. Lake is Dragon Master Dine, although he gave up his powers to save you um, as a baby. So, uh, yeah, he joins you for a bit. And these characters are all like level 90 plus, and they're able to one shot anything they come across. I, I remember as a kid, I played um, the Sega CD version, and when Galleon, again, spoilers, but this happens at the beginning of the game, Galleon kills Quark in an attempt to kill all the dragons so that he can take Althena's power. Mm-hmm. And he kills Quark, and he tricks you into showing him Quark's location. And. When I saw that, I reset the game, and I tried to let enemies, like I unequipped Galleon, and I tried to let the enemies just beat Galleon down to zero <laughs> HP so that he would be dead. Uh-huh. Um, that doesn't work. Uh, it took for freaking ever, and uh, he just kills Quark no matter what. It doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's just a story point, uh, even though narratively you know, he was at one HP or whatever it was, uh, somehow managed to beat Quark. But yeah, they're just incredible. Uh, Galleon has all these spells that can just absolutely decimate any enemies, you know, and then Lake attacks like four times around and has all these like really cool skills that do just massive damage. And then you get to fight against Master Mel in certain versions, and he's just an incredible fighter. Uh, you never get to uh, interact with Lamia because. Uh, she's either under Galleon's spell or what, is she sick? I can't recall. At various points in the game, she never really joins you, but you do have interactions with her. And uh, you get to play with her daughter, Mia. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, I guess you'd say, the best magic user in the game, but her and Nash both are kind of useless. Mm-hmm. And you also get to play with Master Mel's daughter in the way of Jessica. And uh, they're beastmen, so they have like almost cat-like features and pointy ears. Um, they're pretty cool. And uh, Jessica's a priestess, so she think of her more like a cleric. She can attack fairly well, and then she has a lot of like really nice healing spells and stuff. So she's actually useful somewhat, whereas for me, most of the time, I didn't find Nash or Mia useful at all. They're, they, they you know, largely just defend because... Uh, you get through a battle faster not having to worry about those idiots and just let Kyle and Alex do all the work once you get it to Kyle, you know, uh, and he's like this kind of barbarian looking guy and he guards the border of the, I think it's called the Nazca barrier. And uh, he's the ex-boyfriend of Jessica. And of course they end up getting back together. Everyone has a love interest in this game because Lunar is all about music and love. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> yeah, Nash's love interest is Mia, even though she seems throughout most of the game to be uh, completely uninterested because she's the daughter of the premier of the Magic Guild. Uh, and then he is basically like Galleon's assistant. Uh, you know, and he portrays you at multiple points in the story because he's a little piece of shit. And <laughs> I, I hate Nash. Like, when he died, I would leave him dead. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't care. He he brought nothing to the table, and I hated hearing check this out. Um, yeah, he's just a terrible character. Like, 
hashtag get rid of Nash. Uh, and yet my roommates back in the day, that was their favorite character uh, because he was so stupid. And you do meet other characters throughout the game that join you briefly. I already mentioned like Lake and Galleon. And you also meet another character named Tempest that is really badass. He's like of the Plains tribe. And you help him through a, like a, almost a side quest to progress the game where the girls get sick. And uh, he joins you because his uh, girlfriend, Freshka, uh, you know, the fresh maker, uh, they all get sick with this disease that uh, I guess only affects women. And he helps you to uh, defeat the black dragon so that you can lift the plague. But yeah, you, you get the, as you're progressing through get the game, you get the blessings of the four dragons. And then you go to try and defeat Galleon, who's trying to kill all the dragons so that um, he can take Althena's power to uh, conquer the world, basically. But he uses all the dragons' power that he kills to power up this big machine. I think it's called the Grinder. I don't remember. Anyway, it's like this big like war machine he's going to use to, like, I think he uses it to shoot Vane out of the sky. And he's going to, like, destroy all these cities with it and so on and so forth. Of course, unbeknownst to Galleon, another big spoiler, so close your fucking ears. Um, there's one dragon that's still alive, and that dragon is... No. So, sure. Yeah, it turns out that that talking flying cat is Clark's kid. Yeah. And he's been placed, uh, you know, in with you for safety reasons, I guess. And because Nal is still around, Galleon isn't able to fully... Uh, conquer Alfina, right. who spoilers again, uh, it was Luna all along. Your uh, kind of incestuous relationship <laughs> that you have going on is with a goddess that is actually thousands of years old that chooses uh, to become mortal periodically to kind of, I don't know, like get to know her people or whatever better. But while she's in mortal form, she doesn't remember anything about being a goddess. And I remember the null, the null um, thing was was huge. Like mm-hmm. that, that blew our minds. Uh, For sure, it was, back uh, when we were kids, uh, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, no fucking way! And it's yeah. so obvious. Yeah. But <laughs> but man, kid, that was such a big reveal. I was like, no way! Null's a fucking dragon. Yeah, that I we uh, we. We didn't own this game growing up. It was like we had a, a kid up the street owned it. A guy up the street, a kid up the street owned it. He was a couple years older than us, but uh, he—that's where we played the majority of it. And then that's when I got the PS um, PlayStation game. And I think I have—I think I, I own it for everything. Like I was just—you were talking about all the systems it's on, and I was like, I have that one. I have that one. I have that. I even have my phone, which is where I played it this time. And oh, wow. I don't know which one's on my phone now. I'm trying. I, th- I thought I think I got Nash early on, so it must not be the Sega CD version. It must be the PlayStation. Probably the GBA, I guess, or maybe yeah, just a, like, a I, I didn't entirely. realize there was that big of a. I've, you know, it's been so long since I played the Sega CD one specifically. Yeah. I think now I gotta. Well, they they really narrowed everything down on the GBA version mm-hmm. to be like a shorter experience. So they cut big portions of the story out they made it like super easy it's almost impossible to die in that version um y- even if you do die in battle you can restart that battle so um it's just it's made it's like baby's first rpg like if you're looking to get into rpgs that's one that i would recommend just because it's it's so accessible 
I don't think I actually had Nash that early. Maybe it is the Sega CD version now. God, I don't know. Maybe I haven't. I gotta. I gotta play them both now. I gotta play the place. Pull the PlayStation out and play that one to see. Yeah, I don't I, think I had Nash yet. It, it hurts me to say it, but I think the PlayStation version is the best version overall. Mm-hmm. And that just comes from you know the way things look and the animations that were added and such. And then that package is you know of course it's like two hundred dollars now, but that package is like the best value of all the Lunars too because you get a guidebook that's like actually a bound hardback book. You get the soundtrack, the making of CD, um, all this just cool stuff, and it comes in this really nice case that unfortunately is made of cardboard, so you have to be very careful with them but uh working designs really bent over backwards to give you the the extra stuff even in the sega cd era the original versions of lunar had um seven different disc variants that you could get so if you're collecting you could get all these different you know artworks that are on the discs and then uh they embossed and foiled their games so that they look really sharp to display Unlike, you know, just like a matte printed paper, it's this really nice raised lettering that's uh, foiled and stuff and just looks really cool. Anyone that has seen one of these knows what I'm talking about. And they kept doing that throughout uh, most of most of their career, I guess you'd say, uh, up until like through the Saturn, they were still doing that stuff. And then in the PlayStation, PlayStation 2 era, there were still things you could get, but a lot of time you had to pay extra for it, things like grow lancer where it was an extra 50 bucks if you wanted to watch and stuff like that so and that was you know just them uh butting heads with uh, playstation mainly playstation uh famously wouldn't allow them to release grow lancer one and two in two separate discs like they wanted to so they had to release it as like a compilation which caused them to literally have the amount of money that they were expecting to make off that so that's what ultimately sealed their fate was just they, they couldn't make their money back after that. And they had already lost a lot of money on, you know, putting, providing all these extras and things into their games. So it's unfortunate because we lost a giant that day. They really made some of my absolute favorite games, period. Mm-hmm. Um, just an incredible company. But yeah, I know of four different versions of Lunar that was released in the States. There might be a fifth iOS version or something. That's what uh, I, that have. I have. I have that one. Okay. Um, I haven't played that, but I own all four of the physical versions, and they vary enough that I would say they are like completely different uh, games, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, they play similarly, but they're different enough. It's like watching you know, four different versions of Robin Hood or something. They all tell the same story. They're all effectively the same, but they vary wildly at the same time. So if you really want the full lunar experience, you almost have to play all four. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, if you've never played a lunar, you need to play the PlayStation version first, I would think. And then it's failing that the Sega CD version is also very good. And then uh, I would play the GBA version, and then I would play the first 30 minutes of the PSP version, and then put it on a shelf and never look at it. (laughs) Um, It's not that it's a bad version. It's actually an excellent version, except for the voice acting. Mm -hmm. I cannot get past the fact that they got all new voice actors 
for all the characters. They make everyone sound absolutely horrible. <clears throat> you know, you get to know these voices as a representative of the characters they play. And when you hear someone else open their mouth and uh, try and voice Galleon or whatever, it's just, like I've said before, Master Mel, for some reason, is now Scottish, uh, just inexplicably. Uh, just everything about it just made me mad. I'm playing and I'm like, that's not Null. That's not Alex. <laughs> that's not Luna. You know, it's just like I couldn't get into it. And even this time, I... I hooked up my PSP. I, I played through that first section again, which is cool. You get to play as the four original heroes. But after that, I recommend, you know, in, unless you've never played any others, I suppose then it's probably the most accessible of all the Lunars because they're all gone up in price. Um, and the PSP one, you can still get for like 60 bucks if you don't get the complete version that comes with all the extra doodads. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the PlayStation version is nearing $200 with all the doodads. Sega CD version is $150, $200. And then the GBA version, I haven't looked it up, but GBA is wild in prices right now. And I would have to guess it's at least 100 bucks for a copy. And if you want a complete copy, it's probably much more than that. Mm-hmm. And... So, like, maybe not as accessible as it was five years ago. And, unfortunately, I don't think it appears on any, uh, like, PlayStation Plus or Xbox or anything like that. I I think you're right. So, I think it's one of those where you, like, have to own physical media or be okay with emulation. Or maybe, like, the iOS version you were saying was pretty good. Maybe go that route. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know anything about that version, so I can't attest to that. And I hate playing those type of games on my phone. Yeah, I, it's it just doesn't feel right. It's convenience for me, but no, I, it's not my preferred mode to play anything. But my TV's occupied with whatever random kid shows on. That's the only way I can sneak some stuff in sometimes. Well, that's maybe the good thing about Lunar is it does have enough cartoon animation in it and stuff that maybe it would hold their interest mm-hmm. during the cutscenes, but they would probably quickly lose interest during the battles and stuff, which admittedly, like, the combat, while very, very good, especially in the PlayStation version, um, just gets tedious, and it's largely in the PlayStation version because of the check this out just mm-hmm. over and over. Uh, it just gets so annoying to hear those same phrases, even when you use an item, it's like, taste my refreshment or whatever. And it's like, what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That stuff drives me batty, man. Other than that, uh, for the most part, I would say that's the best version of the game. I really would like some combination of the PlayStation and Sega CD versions, but unfortunately I'm not going to get that. Um, because Lunar's kind of in the mist right now. It was, you know, after working designs lost the, rights to produce it it kind of went up in the air uh game arts i think got a hold of it and then i think thq at some point and xseed produced it at one point and like who knows who owns it now and this is how we got the terrible dragon song which probably was the nail in the coffin for the lunar series you know it did get a sequel in lunar 2 which is fantastic but uh the only other lunar game that i'm aware of is dragon song for the Game Boy um, DS, and that thing is quite literally. I mean, it's worse than Arcana. It's one of the worst 
<laughs> I've ever played in my life. It is just every bad decision you can make, they just put it in an RPG. It's worse than Pierce Alar, and I hate Pierce Alar. <laughs> Don't um, start again. Yeah, I know. That game is so bad. But <laughs> Dragonfall literally hurts you for running. If you use the run button, every step you take takes one HP off. You get hurt. And it doesn't come back. It's not like you can like stay stationary and it'll slowly refill. No, you just have to use healing items. So if you want to run, you constantly have to be healing. Things like that. Uh, you can't target individual enemies during battle. I mean, it's just... It's a ridiculously bad game that they were literally just banking on the uh, the good name of Lunar. And unfortunately, those few of us that bought it were just utterly destroyed by it. I remember I got my copy for five bucks and I felt like I paid you know six bucks too much. Um, <laughs> I, I bought it well after the fact. And it, it's the only game I can remember in... Uh, God, what was a Game Informer? You know, I used to have subscription to that for years because of GameStop. Mm-hmm. And it's the only game I ever remember getting rated a 4.5. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything lower than that. Uh, that's out of 10. And they basically shit on it the whole review. And GameSpot never shit, you know, Game Informer, never shit on anything hard because they wanted to sell copies of everything. So everything got a 6 and above. And that's the only time I ever remember them like, no, this really isn't even a game. You know, <laughs> I, I want to say like, uh, stop smoking coach probably got a better rating for the DS than uh, dragon song, but you have to own it. If you're a mega fan like myself and you have to own the galleon puppet, which I also own that uh, came as a pre-order bonus. If you ordered it off the PlayStation, you got this stupid punching puppet of galleon. It comes in a neat box that I will never remove it from. Mm-hmm. Um, just a display piece. But other than those things, like Lunar is just lost in the mist. Um, I think the last release was 2010. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're ever going to see anything from them again. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's Lunar. Um, I don't have much else to say about that. I did think of something else I picked up. Uh, outside of Arcana, uh, I found a, and it's on topic, I found an Arc the Lad official strategy guide that was complete with all the stickers for 30 bucks, which is a steal. If you look them up on eBay, they're well over $150. Um, so that, that's about all I've gotten uh, as for, you know, I just, I just happen to look up and see and go, oh yeah, I got that too. And Arc Lad is another game uh, that Working Designs brought over here that is just incredible. It's actually a compilation of, I believe, four Arc the Lad games. Mm-hmm. Or, I, I don't remember, but it, a couple, three, four, two, I don't remember, but uh, really great games. Uh, the one for PlayStation 2, not so much. Uh, they it's like Dragon Song. They're kind of terrible. Not as terrible as Dragon Song, but still. Um, yeah. So that, that's Lunar. I don't have much else to say about it. You got anything? Sorry to talk over you this whole damn time. I'm you are the expert. I've yeah, I've I've played this game to its entirety, I don't know, three or four times. and okay. So I know you've played it well more than that. And yeah, you touched At least I'd play 15. Yeah, I, I, you touched on a lot of the points that I was I had 
noted here, Nall being the dragon was a big one I circled, an exclamation point. Like, that blew my mind. Uh, the cinematic scenes, like in this game, is something I've never seen before. You know, the little cartoons, like you mentioned. Uh, you know, we, we, Final Fantasy didn't have that, you know, and that really, you know, unfortunately for the Sega, required, you know, the Sega Saturn, the booster, to get to that point where we get like a really epic RPG. You know, Sega did have Fantasy Star, uh, which never really hit mainstream. Sega's uh, Shining Force was cool, but different. But man, I think if they could have made this work on the regular Sega, we, they could have competed real heavily with the Nintendo, Super Nintendo. I, I think I put it up against any of its contemporaries. You know, any other RPG that came out around 94 and before, which this came out in 1992, mm-hmm. but even so, um, anything on the SNES, uh, I think Lunar, the original Lunar on Sega CD, holds up against the likes of Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI and so on, so it's every bit as good. Yeah. And the mind-blowing portion of it, for me at the time, and it can't be uh, overstated, I think, it was the voice acting. Uh, this was something, it's something that's super like common now, Mm-hmm. But at the time when this came out, to have a video game talk to you, I mean, I remember things like the Adventures of Bayou Billy and the Three Stooges had like minor voice clips and stuff, you know, and you would hear, you know, like Earthworm Jim say groovy or something. But, uh, you know, to have something like full speech and dialogue between characters and stuff, just mind blowing. And it can't, like I said, it can't be overstated. And not only that, but we're talking about the infancy of this type of technology. And uh, Lunar and Snatcher uh, were the two that really hit it out of the park right out of the gate, where they hired actual voice actors, people with talent to do these things. Everyone that, you know, voices a character on these games sounds fantastic, except on the PSP. And they make you uh, feel for these characters like you normally wouldn't. It fleshes them out in a way that the written word doesn't. And, and as such, you know, and because these characters were so well written and had such great individual personalities on their own, every character felt like a real living, breathing person. And it just added to the experience, you know, that you're going through these trials and tribulations and when you know, things happen in the game, you actually feel emotion towards them rather than, you know, that that's just my healer and you don't even know their first name or, you know, anything about that character. You know the narrative that drives Alex and that drives Jessica and so on and so forth. You you feel for her when Master Mel is turned into stone or Lamia or Mia uh, you know, her mother Lamia loses her mind and it's taken over by Galleon and so on and so forth. You know that Nash is trying to prove himself in the eyes of the guild and stuff because he is kind of a joke even within the city of Zane. He's looked down upon and he's wanting to show the world that you know he is worthy and so on and so forth. All the characters have reasons for what they're doing and that's uh, something, like I said, that's fleshed out by the voices a little bit more and uh, something you didn't see in all RPGs back then too. A lot of times characters especially in some games i don't want to shit on but like sakodin 
or you know other games of that nature where you have just a plethora of characters and some of them literally just join you for no reason you know you're leaving town and it's just like hey i'll join you and you're like but why you're willing to you know sacrifice your life effectively or give your life over to me for what reason exactly just because i happen to walk through your town or you know whatever and uh everything has a reason narratively and it's, it's told in a simple, but very concise way within learner. And yeah, like I said, uh, you can't overstate that or the fact that the music, um, a lot of it has, you know, a hired singers and they sing now, is it the greatest tunes in the world? No, but they are catchy. And the Sega CD opening cutscene is one of my favorite songs from any video game and it's terrible it's like this mud butt rock and i'm sure i'll play it as the <laughs> outro uh, and it you know it's it, when all the land is troubled and there's you know goofy ass lyrics uh but it's great you know and uh, also lunar is the first game i can ever remember at least on the sega cd version where there's additional gameplay after you beat the game that's something that wasn't the norm back then. Now, you know, you beat a game and you can still run around the world, complete side quests or whatever on a lot of these RPGs. Back then, that wasn't the case. But in this game, after major events, you could go back, you could talk to characters, they would say whole new things, or if someone joined your party and you searched the same, you know, like uh, boudoir or whatever in Luna's closet, Luna might have something to say about it. Um, just whatever it was, there was additional dialogue. And then at the end of the game, you can go through and talk to all the people and there's additional dialogue. There's, uh, outtakes, which you'll never hear in a video game again. I, I know Lunar two actually has outtakes where, uh, the singer that plays Luna farts <laughs> during the take. And that is like one of the blue, you know, and comments on it and everyone's laughing and stuff. It's just those little touches, man, that make this feel like, a, a game that was made with love, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's a great game. It's a fantastic fucking game, and uh, is it worth it? Oh yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. It's it, like the price on this thing is, you know, it's out of hand. But because it's really the only way you can get it, it's like I think if you're if you're a true fan of RPGs and you don't own or haven't played Lunar, start saving your pennies now because. Yeah. It really is something you should have in your collection. Or get the yeah. iOS. It's, I mean, if you want to just play it, you don't want to spend it, but yeah, it's one you should have. Yeah, for sure. Whatever you have to do, this is, to me, it's a 10 out of 10. It's my favorite RPG, you know, and a lot of that is nostalgia-based, but every time I go back to it, I'm like, no, this is just a fantastic fucking game, and it really doesn't matter what version you mm-hmm. play. You know, I say that... Like the GBA version is the worst version, and I stand by that. But that is still a fantastic mm-hmm. version of the game. Um, there's I, really no, like if I were to rate it, it'd be like a nine, you know, out of ten. Yeah. And it's I have to say a nine is bad comparatively to the other versions. That's ridiculous. I have a uh, extra life podcast loaded for you. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I do talk about uh, the battle screen in this and how uh, movement 
does play a, uh, a big part in this game. And I talk oh, yeah. about how that like is one of my favorite things about I, it might, the, the, to, not to plug my own other show, but it, I'm talking about like five things I really want in an RPG. And I really like that system and how like, yeah, you have your fighters. They got to be close to the people that they got to, they, you know, they're trying to hit. So they actually have to move up to like hit those, you know, those characters. I thought that's yeah, something. They actually move on the battle. Like it, when you start a battle, just for people that haven't played, it looks like a final fantasy game where you have your characters on one side the other characters on the other but your characters have to physically move to, to those enemy. characters i like that i like that and you yeah, can like set them up and how they're going to be before the battle so if you could have guys right. way up front you can have guys way in the back and you know and it's important to do so because mm-hmm. you want your wussy ass mages back in the back mm-hmm. defending like the ships they are yeah, no, um, and you have that in other Final Fantasy games, but it's just like front row, back row. This you really get a sense of like, no, these guys are actually in the shit, and these guys are like, no, on the other side of however wherever they are, as far yeah. away as possible. So because if they are further away, they won't get hit at all because the enemies can't attack them from yeah. that distance unless they have a projectile attack. Projectile. So you really yeah. gives you more of a sense of. Like depth, that. you know, it makes it more realistic, it makes it more engaging, mm-hmm. you know, so that the combat isn't so just boring, masha, masha, masha kind of game, which it still kind of is a little bit because your characters will move toward the enemies you point towards. But, um, I do wish you, you know, had more control there. I wish you could, I could like control my character to move, and, yeah, physically, like maybe like. Ash or not Ash? Um, I don't know. Whoever is low on life, I need to get him, pull him back, so I could like move him away and move See, somebody that, else. I would like that feature as well. Yeah, then then it would feel more like a tactics game a little mm-hmm. bit, a little bit, a little bit, where, where you could pull Alex back if he's low on health, get him on the back row, let Jessica take those couple of hits or whatever, mm-hmm. and you know while you're building back up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it doesn't really allow for that. Um, but it, you can kind of do it in that you can leave those mages on your back row and not attack anything and just use spells or defend. Mm-hmm. And so they won't move to the forefront where they will just die quickly. And the, you know, the closer you are to enemies, I think does have, uh, uh some effect on, um, the damage they do too. Cause some can attack from like two rows away or, whatever and uh i believe if you're right next to the enemy they take more damage as opposed Mm to not and then as we said earlier the number of attacks is super important too because uh gaining an extra attack effectively you know if you have one attack it doubles your damage so if you can get you know toward the end of the game i think both kyle and alex can attack four times each these guys are just monsters you know they go into the thick of things and they just are swinging away, that guy dies, that guy dies, that guy dies. You know, it's so cool. Um, and other games should and could incorporate that and just haven't, you know. Mm-hmm. You get the extra attacks a lot of the times in other games in the way of they gain enough speed to where they're, you know, attacking twice per round, which is effectively the same thing, but being able to see it happen all at once is kind of neat, you know. Mm-hmm. makes you feel more like a badass or whatever. But yeah, absolutely worth it. Um, do whatever it is you can to get a copy, to play a copy, if you are a true RPG player. Um, if not, why are you listening to this podcast? Just, I don't know, go listen to something else. Maybe take up checkers or something. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, have you uh, have you thought of anything you would like to play next, James? Yep. Yes, I have. I, this is something I've been eyeing for a while. I'm going to bring you out of your comfort zone because I'm going to make you play a f- game that I, I I don't know if it's actually anywhere else but on your phone. Um, it's called Doom and Destiny. I just sent you a screenshot of it. Uh, okay. It's all of $3. Um, <laughs> it has 1.2 thousand ratings, 1.2K, and it's... Averaging a 4.8 out of 5. Okay, so, this is on iOS. iOS, three whole dollars. It's just four nerds drawn into a fantasy world and mistaken for heroes have to battle their way through a massive crazy adventure and defeat a prosperitarious vi- villain. Pre-posperitarious okay. villain. Pre-posperitarious. Preposterous. Preposterous. Okay, it's new to me. Preposterous. Pre- preposterous. Say that word. Preposterous. Don't. Uh, <laughs> preposterous. Or whatever you had. Like, preposterous. No, I think. Yeah, that, that would mean that they're um, silly. The, yeah, so let's check it out. I've, I've been like looking at this one for a while, and I was like, you know. Okay, yeah. And it will mark the first time that we uh, played exclusively a game for just a I believe up to this point, like we played games that are on iOS, but mm-hmm. they're elsewhere as well. So, yeah, cool. That'll be a first time. And uh, so, look for Doom and Destiny to mm-hmm. be coming out within, you know, a month ish. Mm-hmm. And uh, want to give a shout out to all the normal people. You know, if you're not listening to the RPG show at this point, you should be doing that. Uh, they do great work. Uh, I just got through doing an episode of Video Games, the movie today, which you can listen to over Cloak and Dagger, Ooh. which is a 1984 film starring Elliot from uh, E.T. and um, a lot of other character actors you will recognize. Uh, really ended up being a great film. I was quite surprised by it and uh, recommend it to anyone. So check that out and check our review out. Um, listen to Mike over at the Graveyard Shift. He's still doing work over there. Good. And listen to our friends over at uh, Plotty Time. I've been, uh, I shouted them out on the last episode and evidently some guys wrote to them um, because they shouted us out on their next episode. Hey! Really cool. I, I don't know what kind of listenership they have, but you know, Anyone getting, you know, the word out is great. That's it. And uh, they do one of the absolute funniest, best shows I've ever heard uh, in the years of me listening to podcasts. I look forward to their show every week. These guys are lifelong friends. They're all about my age. And they just uh, discuss the plot of video games without actually having played them a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. They'll watch uh, plot synopses and movies on YouTube and then decide whether or not they want to play the game based off that. And it's a really great community they have over uh, on Reddit that you can join and you can see a lot of my artwork that I have created for the show. Uh, they challenge their listeners every week to uh, do some really silly things. Uh, things like uh, one of the characters on the show is, calls himself Trump Slap. Uh, they challenge everyone to have him dunking a basketball over Bruce Lee, LeBron James, and Dr. J. And I made artwork of that. Uh, so you can t- see things of that nature on Reddit and hopefully like it, and that would be great. 
that Reddit community is just called uh, slash or whatever uh, plotty time. That's P L O T T Y T I N E. And yeah, if you're looking for something to listen to, you could do a lot worse. They've got like 300 plus episodes. Just great stuff. Um, they put out stuff every week on like poor James and me that have uh, lives and can't really do that if we wanted to. Not yet. Uh, One day. One day. They they have the uh, the means, and I, I don't think any of them have children. <laughs> So they just uh, get drunk and play a lot of games, talk about movies and stuff. And they are, like I said, hilarious. So, yeah, check that out. Other than that, I don't know what else to say other than uh, what can they do until next time. Keep it retro. And we'll see you next time. See you later. Later, Jen. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I thought so. Good episode. I'm sorry I was long-winded about Lunar, but I really liked that game. Yeah, yeah. That was you, man. No problem. Not a problem. All right. All right, buddy. I'm going to go to sleep. I have to get up early and teach a summer school class online, kind of. All right, okay. man. This was good. Check out this game. See how it goes. Doom and Destiny. I'll probably download it tonight. Great. All right. Talk to you later. Later on, bro. See ya. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out.
Welcome, everybody, to the Extra Life Podcast. This is your good buddy, James. A podcast where we take a game, give you a little history about the game, talk about my personal experience of the game, and then try to elicit some nostalgia or kick out some feelings you may have had playing the game. Today, we're doing something a little different. Uh, I, got a, I got a game or a podcast coming out soon about Breath of Fire. I kind of teased it on the Facebook page, Is It Worth It Facebook page. And then I went back and started playing it. And, you know, you'll have to uh, listen to that podcast for my full-fledged opinions of it. Some good, some bad. And then it got me thinking, well, what would I want in... An RPG, if someone were to come to me and say, hey James, uh, you know, what are you looking for? Give us five or six things as to what you would like to see in, you know, the next RPG. So, I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it, and I got five things for you. Now, I'm not talking story. I mean, everyone wants a good story. You always want a good story and good character development. Of course, of course, of course. So I'm not looking at stuff like that. Not looking at gameplay. Of course, everyone wants good gameplay. Everyone wants a fun game. You know, of course. You know, music. Yeah, that always helps. Graphics. Graphics. You know, graphs, graphics. You know, everyone likes different types of graphics. Very subjective. Uh, some people like the 2D sprites. Some people like the 3D. Uh, today, gosh, role-playing games can be so realistic. But uh, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about some other things. The first thing I think of when I think of a good RPG is customization. I want to get in there and create my own party, my own characters, possibly. And there are three ways in which I like to do this. I'm going to use Final Fantasy as my example. It's the one I'm most familiar with. Other games do these things, too. Uh, the first one's Final Fantasy 1 where you get to actually create your own characters, create your own party. You choose between a fighter, a thief, a monk, a red mage, a white mage, a black mage. And other games have similar stuff. Final Fantasy Legend 2, you can choose a monster, you can choose a robot. In Dungeons & Dragons, Warriors of the Eternal Sun, you have a variety of things to choose from. I like that. I really, really like that. Like being able to choose some of their stats too. You could do that in Warriors of the Eternal Sun because it's very much a Dungeons and Dragons like game. So you get to roll some dice and choose your stats. I really like that. It can be hard for stories sometimes because oftentimes, you know, stories are based around who a character is. Cecil, Final Fantasy IV, one of my favorite games. You know, he's a dark knight. That's part of who he is. He later becomes a paladin. It's part of who he is. So if I'm able to create a character that goes through a similar story arc, it might lose something. Same thing with Final Fantasy VI with Terra. You know, she's half Esper, half human. If I'm creating the character, it could, it could be tough for the writers to create a good story when... You know, basically, they're just plugging whatever name that you created as this character into the story. It could be difficult. Could be. So I get why that's not always a thing that games always have. Um, another thing they could do is Final Fantasy V, where you have your set four characters, or four or five characters. They progress through the story, but, but you are able to change their jobs. You can choose, God, oh gosh, how many jobs were there? 20 different jobs? Ninja, fighter, white mage, black mage. You basically 
change the character throughout the story. And I like that. Again, you can customize a lot. If you want to have all fighters, you can have all fighters. You want to have all wizards, you can have all wizards. And want to have all dancers, you can have all dancers. That's another great way games could have customization and have these preset characters might help out with the storyline a little bit. Um, if you're building a story and building a specific character. Uh, the, third the third one is uh, Final Fantasy VI. This one... You have a bunch of different characters with a and with all unique characters with their own abilities. And whatever characters you bring into your party, there's your customization. Now having a lot of characters, you know, could also hurt the storyline a little bit because who is the main character of Final Fantasy VI? We all say it's Terra, we're all pretty much you know, it's 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 very arguable. You can argue anybody, which is cool in its own right. But I can see why it might be hard for writers. But I, I just love it. I love all three of these methods. All three where you can just get to create your own party. It makes it feel more your own. Now the funny thing is, one of my favorite games of all time, like literally in my top three favorite, favorite games of all time. Now when I say favorite, nostalgia heavily leans in there. I don't mean it's the best games of all time, but Final Fantasy IV. And in Final Fantasy IV, you can't do any of these things. So very hypocritical for me to say that I like these type of deals, but I, my favorite game actually has absolutely none of them. I know there are later versions where you can swap out characters. I don't know who you'd swap out, though. I mean, the last five characters are pretty awesome. Edge, I guess, you might swap out for someone else, but... You know, I don't know. I I I've played those games. I haven't played enough at the at that like last part where I am able to switch people out and see. I don't know. I just don't know what what these characters would evolve into. Do they have other abilities that they didn't have previously? Anyways, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about other. I mean, what I would like in a good RPG. The next one, random battles adjustments. I like random battles. I'm fine with random battles. I don't care if I can see the characters on the screen or I can't. You know, Final Fantasy largely, uh, the first ones especially, you don't see the character. You're just walking around. You probably have an invisible clock on top of your head. Then when it hits zero, boom, you're in a random battle. Or you got Chrono Trigger where you actually see what you're fighting ahead of you and you can kind of, you know, move around and get around them if you want. I don't care which one. I like the random battles, although I would make some adjustments. I like the earthbound system. I like when your character gets too strong, random enemies start avoiding you, or maybe it's like a Final Fantasy game, you just suddenly have less random battles in like a particular area. You could walk around and, you know, go all over the place and not fight anyone. Although I would say I'd like to suddenly have a random battle if like, you know, maybe just some like ultra strong creature like attacks you. Maybe even a creature that is too powerful from where you are that, that you know, beats you down. So you, there is that small sense of fear. But I do like how, you know, it also pr would prevent ultra grinding. Some people just like to grind, 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 and just mow through all the, um, you know, bosses. That's, that's, I guess, a fun way to play. I've done that before, so it is cool, but this would eliminate that and, you know, put it more, put the RPG more back into, like, the skills sector as opposed to just the grind sector, which I think is a great way to do it. Um, now, if you are a person that just has to grind, you want to grind, maybe every town could have a training center or a gym or a coliseum 
where you could go there and, you know, challenge enemies you've already fought before for experience. Or maybe that could happen at some point in the game where, yeah, if you need to grind, you can grind there. I, 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 I like that idea, though, just how um, that earthbound system. Uh, the next thing, the battle screen itself, I think Lunar had the best. I like how you had a separate screen and you can move, it kind of had a little Shining Force element where you can like move your characters around it. I wish you had a little more control over exactly where the characters may have moved, uh, but I like that. I like how movement plays a big role in the battle. It's not just your guys lined up, you got your front row, your back row, and the battle engages. I like how you can have guys in the front, in the back. Now, what I would adjust, in Final Fantasy, you know, you could have, you know, your regular attack. You could be attacked from behind. You could be, in Final Fantasy VI, you could be, I think it was called, pincered, where you're like in the middle and the enemies surround you, or you could surround the enemies. What I would want to do is have there be, oh, I don't know like how, how you'd say it, like a startled response. Where like every single battle, uh, you may not be in the position you want to be in. You know, maybe if you see the enemy coming, you see the emboss, okay, you put your big guys in the front, you put your weak people with the ranged weapons in the back, you're set for it. Everything else... You know, it's kind of random. Maybe if you're stronger characters, it's a little less random. If you enter into an unknown area, maybe then, yeah, you get surprised. So all of a sudden, the wrong people are in the front, or the wrong people in back, or you're all bunched together. I mean, I, I, in Lunar, you're able to kind of preset where everyone is. I think that's good. That is great. You should be able to do that. But the chances of you being in the right position when the enemy approaches you know, maybe 30% of the time. The rest of the time, you might just be slightly out of position, or maybe one character is just out of position. Just more of that. Just, it would just add to the game, add a little, I guess, realism to the game, where you're not always going to see your enemies approaching. Uh, you could be surprised. And maybe if you're fighting inside of a dungeon, or a castle, or a house, suddenly the the quarters are way cramped. Suddenly you, you can't get a bow and arrow to work, you know, down a hallway. Those, those types of weapons are only used outside. And then with that, maybe, you know, characters can switch weapons easier on the battlefield. You know, you equip two things, a short range, range weapon and a long range weapon. So if you're out in the plains, uh, you could use, you could all sit back and use your long range weapons more. Or if, you know, again, you're in like a tight quarters, everyone's taking out their short range weapons. And with this also kind of a side note, I, I like, gosh, I don't know, I think like Skyrim did this the best a little bit, the little bit I played of that. Like the more you use a certain type of weapon, just the better you get with that weapon. That would also lead into the Colosseum idea I had from the previous, um, from the second thing I was talking about, where if you know you need you know, you're going to go fight like in a castle with tight corridors, but a couple of your characters have been using their bows and arrows a lot. So you need to now practice with the short range weapons. You have a place to go practice with the short range weapons. And maybe in those coliseums, instead of bringing like, I like a party of four. So I'll say a party of four. Instead of bringing all four in there, you can only bring one. That way, if you win the battle, hopefully you do, then that one character gets a lot more experience. I like that aspect where the, the fewer characters you have, uh, the more experience you can gain. Most of Final Fantasy games, 
use that idea. <clears throat> All right, number four. World-changing event. Final Fantasy VI. One of the few games that, have, that really did this and did this well, where you had this map. You grew comfortable with this map. You explored this map. And then it got dumped on its head, and everything sort of changed. You know, most things sort of changed. Some things were different. New areas were available. Towns moved. New caves. I like that. This would also, in an area where you were just super strong and all enemies are avoiding you, all of a sudden you're back to fighting tough enemies. Things moved around or new things were unearthed. So it would kind of bring new life to that same map all over again. I don't know a lot about computer programming, anything like that. I wish I did. I mean, it's, it's, if I could go back and redo this all my whole life again, I'd probably get into computer programming. But I would think it would be easier if you're just reusing an existing area as opposed to having a whole new area with uh, the memory on the game cartridges. Let me know if I'm totally off base on that. But I, I think it'd just be a great way to just revitalize, you know, the game again. You know, have your map, and then maybe have certain towns, again, move, destroyed, uh, damaged, or just look different. Different people moved around. I like that idea. It really just refreshes the whole game for you. Last thing. Game length. 20 hours, give or take. Chrono Trigger did it perfectly. It's about a, you know, casual playthrough. You can get through that game in 17 hours. If you're hustling and bustling, you know what you're doing a lot less taking your time first time going through it probably a little bit more but i like a good like 17 to 20 hour playthrough now with that though new game plus you gotta have a new game plus and you gotta have a reason for me to want to do it again and i think the best way to do this have some branching paths not too many you don't want to overburden the, the player but one, maybe two times, I'd say maybe two times during the game, you gotta make a choice. You know, choose to go down this path or that path. You gotta choose. You can't you can't do both in the same playthrough. If you go down this path, you continue on through the game, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours later, you beat the game, then you think to yourself, what would have been the other way? Let's hit the new game plus, you know, maybe mow through everything, you you know, keep your keep your levels, keep your equipment, whatever. I don't care about that part. But now you go through the other way. Try it again. Try this other method. And again, one, I'd say maybe two would be good. Two would be good. Two wouldn't be overwhelming. You know, you don't want to play, have to play through the game too many times, but I, I like that idea. Lanzalore, uh, probably no one's played Lanzalore, but Lanzalore did that, where you had to choose, like, which person or group to back. And if you, if you chose this group, you fought the other group, and vice versa, and you got different... You know, weapons and armor at the very end, depending on which side you went with. So just something like that, maybe a different spell. If you go through this side, you get this spell. If you go through that side, you get this spell. And I think two would be good. Go choose this, you know, get this ending or maybe that ending. That's another thing, multiple endings. I loved how Chrono Trigger had the multiple endings. Great way to just, you know, keep the game tight, keep the game 17, 20 hours, but elicit multiple playthroughs. That's the big thing. Then you take a 20-hour game and make it into a... You could make it into a 40, 60, 80, 100-hour game with the playthroughs. And the last thing, this one's a bonus one, secrets, Easter eggs, you gotta put that into your game. 
put those everywhere, reference other games if it's, you know, legal and appropriate, but do all sorts of stuff. Have hidden, maybe hidden characters, hidden items, hidden everything. Make the players want to find it and play through it. You know, get people talking on the school bus about it. I know the internet's ruined all that, unfortunately. But that's what I'd love. That Those are my five things. Uh, let me know your opinions on your five things. I'd love to know what you think. And, uh, yeah, that's it for me. If you want to reach me, goodbuddyjames at gmail.com. Facebook page, Is It Worth It podcast. Listen to the Is It Worth It podcast. It's amazing. Blaine and I have a new show coming out soon. I don't know when this is going to air, so I won't say what show it is, because who knows. But, yeah, I think that's everything. Uh, Please reach out. Love to hear from you. And until then, keep it retro. Beware his mocking of the undertow. One who takes the strongest below. Tell the one who creates the thunder. One who took the From many years ago, before we had taken this town for our own, a gruesome monster of the ocean was lurking upon the shores of our home. Our crewmen would leave and they'd seldom return, and those who did told of that beast who'd incurred the wrath of the gods who lived beneath the sea, the one they only called the king. From that city would come to our aid As our children would suffer day after day Our supplies would soon drain Only there for their gain Like a supply made for a great care No longer could we wait for someone to arrive We decided that we could no longer stand by With the strongest of us taking the boldest of us We'd finally take down the king It was darker than night in the maw of the beast. All I could taste was my blood and the sea. But even as I knew the end was approaching, I knew he was waiting for me. You want to know what I did? So what did you do? You want to know what I did? What did you do? Tell you what I did? I screamed louder than lightning, burn the king inside out! Yeah. Yeah.